0: and talk to the disgruntled young man that he was, and take back what he had done. That's Nicholas Shealy professing part of a 14-page statement during one of his trials in 2017. He dropped to his knees on the floor of the courtroom, begging the families for forgiveness, even going as far as quoting the famous movie Shawshank Redemption, that not a day goes by that he doesn't regret what he had done. This, though, is not a movie. It's real life. And this case is very real to the families of the eight victims he killed in a spree killing that would touch the outer edge of the Quad Cities all the way to Missouri. All because of the unfortunate fact, as Sheely says, we cross paths. Tribune Audio Network.
1: The crimes that made your skin crawl. Missing faces you just couldn't get out of your head. The questions that never got answered. Missing and Murdered in the Midwest dives deep into these unforgettable cases, solved and unsolved. This content is not for the faint of heart. And now, here's your host, Toria Wilson.
0: In researching this case, there's two things that stood out to me, or maybe a lack thereof. One, I could hardly find a history on the suspect, Nicholas Sheely. I mean, I can't tell you about his childhood or what his parents were like, but I can tell you his lengthy criminal record. Assault, domestic battery, breaking and entering, drug and weapon possession, resisting arrest. The rap sheet really lays out the narrative to his adult life. A seemingly angry man who'd fight anyone who was in his way, drugs to numb the pain, a gun for protection, or as a way of intimidation, whatever way you want to look at it. Records indicate that Sheely was routinely arrested for threatening the use of force, and was routinely released or given reduced sentences and plea bargains. He did spend at least three years in an Illinois State Prison, though, but at the time of the murders, Sheely was free on bond. In a 2007 armed home invasion despite his lengthy violent record. And I know what you must be thinking, why are we so focused on the man who killed people? I thought this podcast was about the victims. Well, it's hard to somewhat do that in this case because there's more than one victim. There's eight. A young mother, her two-year-old child, her boyfriend, their friend, an older couple, an elderly man, and another man just wanting to wash his car. So let's start at the beginning of this crime spree, okay? Saturday, June 14th, 2008. 28-year-old Nicholas Sheely breaks into the home of a 90-year-old woman in his hometown, Sterling, Illinois. He forces her to write checks and takes cash before taking off. Remember, though, he's free on bond for another armed home invasion. More than a week later, June 23rd, police issue a warrant for Sheely's arrest. That same day, though, his crimes would go from petty to brutal. He knew his first victim, 93-year-old Russell Reed, after the elderly man had let Sheely, his brother, and his wife take scrap metal from his property to sell in the spring of that year. Who knows why Sheely decided to go over to the Reed's place, but this is what we do know. Shealy beat Reed to death, took cash and checks, threw Reed's body in the trunk of his own car, and took the vehicle with him. Later that evening, Shealy is seen on surveillance at a Casey's General Store gas station, getting cigarettes and beer. His shirt and shorts are covered in what appears to be blood. Shealy shows up to a friend's house. She later stated that, yes, he was covered in blood. He first says he just got done killing somebody, but then laughs it off, said he had actually gone fishing and got blood on him when he was cleaning the fish. He gives the same story the next day to another friend. Thursday morning, June 26th, Lyle Reed, Russell's son, says he was concerned after not seeing his father's car outside his own home. He hadn't seen him since Monday, so he decided to investigate a little bit further.
1: Well, I looked in the garage, and the car wasn't there, so I went up to the house in the back there, and I noticed uh, blood on the steps. And uh, then I went into the, what we call the porch, and I noticed that the um, throw rugs were
0: messed up, and there was blood there. His father's glasses and cap were also found, something he would never, ever, ever leave behind. Lyle first thought to himself, well, maybe he fell or hurt himself and drove himself to the hospital, but calling the emergency room turned up no lead on his father's whereabouts. Police were then called, were at the home, officers found a cigarette butt with Nicholas Sheely's DNA on it, and a green Cadillac belonging to Nicholas and his wife. Russell's vehicle was found later that day, his body in the trunk, A forensic pathologist would later testify that the 93-year-old would die after suffering nearly a dozen blows, possibly by the leg of a wooden stool. He was hit several times around his left eye, with the bones broken around his eye. He suffered a major blow to his chest, which broke his ribs and collapsed his lung. He also suffered a dislocated elbow. By the time Reed's body was found, though, Sheely was long gone from the Sterling Rock Falls area. He had cashed one of Reed's checks and hitched a ride to Chicago to buy cocaine. He then came back to the Quad Cities. That Thursday, as police searched for Reed's body, Sheely was in Rock Island. He stole a white Lincoln Continental, two guns and some checks. Sometime between Thursday and Friday, back in 08, he ditches the car, steals a Jeep, which coincidentally has two guns inside. He takes the Jeep and the guns and heads back back to Chicago, sells the guns for more drugs. He then gets back in the Jeep, comes back to the Quad Cities, first in Bettendorf, and then to Rock Island once more. June 28, 2008. It's a Saturday. Sheely is found sleeping in that Jeep outside of Morrison Improvement Company. After being awakened and forced out of the vehicle, he takes off and runs towards the Illinois Oil Products. Okay. He breaks into the business using a ladder to open up the second floor window. He steals a work uniform, which includes a shirt, khaki pants, and a cap. He also steals one of the company's work trucks, a 1989 Dodge Ram. He then gets on Interstate 74 and heads east. Just before 7 o'clock that night, he slides into Galesburg and stops at the Mobile Mart off Main Street. Where he buys a couple of bucks worth of gas, not even a full gallon. He then heads west on East Main Street and stops at South Hard's car wash. It's at this time, I'm guessing, Sheely wants to ditch the stolen work vehicle and wants another ride. And it's unfortunate that Ronald Randall pulled up shortly around the time that Sheely did. Now, we don't know the interaction between the two. We don't know what they talked about, but we do know that Ronald Randall became Sheely's second victim. This is what we do know. Randall was bludgeoned to death. His body suffered more than a dozen hits to the hands, elbows, hips, and other body parts. He suffered at least one blow to the head from some sort of blunt object, but we just don't know what. The impact, though, broke loose a shard of his skull, which pressed into the left side of his brain. Sheely then drags Randall's body and puts him in the passenger seat of his own Chevy Silverado. Sheely then drives to the Hy-Vee grocery store on Main Street and dumps Randall's body. He walks into the store, covered in blood, buys cigarettes, a lighter, and a six-pack of Bud Light. He then takes Randall's truck and drives out of Galesburg. Randall's body is found three days later, behind the grocery store, between a dumpster and a trash compactor. Investigators at the scene of the crime say his body was lying in a pool of quote, liquid garbage. There are six other bodies also found throughout Illinois and Missouri, but we'll get to that. Shealy makes his way back to the Sterling Rock Falls area. Sometime between 10:30 and 11 at night, he arrives at the apartment of Brock Branson, his wife's former boyfriend, who Shealy believes, sober or not, that the two are having an affair. Sheely breaks in. 25-year-old Kenneth Olvey is sitting in an armchair in his bedroom. I'm not sure if Sheely just snuck up or surprised him or what, but Sheely has a hammer in his hand and beats Kenneth to death. Eleven blows to the head. Hits so hard, Kenneth has two circular holes punched through his skull. This makes Sheely's third victim. Sheely then sits and waits chain-smoking until Brock Branson returns home. When Branson does arrive, he has his girlfriend, 20-year-old Kai Blake, and her two-year-old son with them. Branson had the small child in his arms when they walked through the door. In my opinion, since I could not find the order in which they died, was that Sheely hit Branson first. He may have fallen, along with the child. The minute Blake saw and truly recognized what had happened, she screamed, oh no, stop, which is what a nearby neighbor reported, and that's when Sheely hit her. He then mercilessly bludgeoned all three. The couple, the child, and the roommate's bodies were found on Monday morning. Branson's mother and father were worried after not hearing from her son. Branson's mother and father were worried after not hearing from their son following their dinner date at their house Saturday prior to their deaths. The father later testified that they had gone to the apartment And when they tried to open the door, something was in the way.
1: And I looked down and I seen Kai at the top of her head and it was, she wasn't moving and it was just covered with blood. I hollered, I hollered and I said, Brock, but no answer. And then I, I really got nervous. And then I looked, I looked up a little bit farther and I seen two little apes. I said, they're gone. They're all dead. They're all dead. And, She wanted to go up there, and I said, no, no.
0: He came back down, and he was panicked. He says, they're dead. He said, they're dead. Based on the blood splatter found on the scene, Blake's and Branson's heads could not have been more than 15 to 18 inches off the ground, which means they were on their hands and knees when Sheely continued to hit them. Brock suffered seven blows to the head. Kai had six. Her son had at least four. That's victims number four, five, and six. Sheely then cleaned the blood off himself, ditched the bloody stolen work uniform, and went back to Sterling to find his wife, Holly. According to her, the two drive behind a local Holiday Inn and have sex in Ronald Randall's pickup truck, which he said the cab was thick with blood. Sheely then drives his wife to her sister's house nearby and drops her off. When Holly's friend picks her up the next morning, she notices Holly's jeans have blood on them and washes them for her. As this is happening, Nicholas Shealy is once again on the move. Shortly after midnight on June 29, 2008, a Sunday, he leaves the Sterling Rock Falls area one last time and heads south. According to prosecutors, in search of a former prison pen pal, a woman later described the outrage as an act of kindness, he heads to Festus, Missouri, based on one of the return addresses she sent in one of those old letters. Festus is 20 miles south outside of St. Louis. After arriving in town, he can't find his pen pal, but learns that she works at a local hardware store. Sheely then asks two women walking in the park for directions, but no luck. So Sheely eventually makes his way towards a budget hotel in town. He just happens to run into an Arkansas couple, Tom and Jill Estes, and their two poodles, who had just returned after leaving a nearby graduation party. Prosecutors say the couple was just exiting their Corvette when Sheely attacked, beating the two to death. He loaded the couple's bodies into the stolen pickup and dumped their bodies behind a gas station dumpster just a few miles away. But this case would immediately raise suspicion. Shortly after midnight on June 30, 2008, hotel staff had seen the couple's poodles wandering alone in the parking lot, covered in blood. Six minutes after the call to 911 and 31 minutes after the couple returned from the graduation party, police arrived on scene. Officers say they were able to find the couple's bodies thanks to a long trail of blood from the parking lot to the gas station, roughly a mile and a half away. The Esteses were Sheely's 7th and 8th victims, the final two in the week-long spree killing. Again, Sheely takes off. Ronald Randall's vehicle is later abandoned in an industrial area in St. Louis. He's later spotted near Bush Stadium, where he asked a stranger to borrow their cell phone. He allegedly called his wife and asks to get a hold of their attorney to try to bring this all to an end peacefully, He apparently does this several times, asking strangers for cell phones, and does it at a Subway restaurant in Granite City, Illinois. He also talks to his attorney on the phone at a local bar called Bindy's, also known as a cop bar, and police were called from the other patrons in the bar. While smoking a cigarette outside the saloon, Sheely went quietly. That was July 1st, 2008, a week after his full murderous crime spree began. Shealy would finally stand trial in a nearly decades-long of court appearances starting in 2011. The first would be in Knox County for the death of Ronald Randall. Prior to, he gave a stunning interview to the Associated Press. He would later face a gag order from a judge and then was found guilty on numerous counts. The family, though, would lose the option for the death penalty. Eight months before Shealy is sentenced to life in prison, Democratic Governor Pat Quinn Abolish the death penalty in the state of Illinois.
1: I think it's the right and just thing to abolish the death penalty and punish those who commit heinous crimes, evil people, with life in prison, without parole.
0: Shealy would also be found guilty and sentenced to life in prison in the trials for the death of Russell Reed and for the four killed in Rock Falls, which the trials would be held in Rock Island County. In the victim impact statements, you can hear just how these families really truly feel.
1: You are an animal. A stupid young kid after drugs and money. That's what you were before you committed murder. That's when all hell broke loose. The rage that you, Nicholas Shealy, had to have in you to cause the kind of harm you caused to this 93-year-old man There was no reason to hurt him, my husband's family was destroyed and I watched my husband suffer for five years and my heart broke for him in memory of Russell Reed, the first one that you killed. I hope you never forget what you did.
0: His last hearing in Illinois would be in 2013. In 2015, he was finally extradited to Missouri, where prosecutors would go after the death penalty in the Estes case. A lot of legal battles, though, would take place before October 2017, more than 10 years after the rampage happened. Nicholas Shealy, though, would plead guilty to murder for the Estes' death in exchange for life in prison without the possibility of parole. I won't go through his whole 20-minute speech he gave in the court that final time, but I will quote him at least once here, when he said, My actions knew no limits, and I'm thoroughly disgusted by my behavior. I still find it hard to believe I did such terrible things. I have children of my own, a sister, brother, parents, and grandparents even, and have often tried putting myself in other people's shoes, as if these things were done to my loved ones. And it's not a pleasant thought by any means. So I understand when people are so outraged over these traumatic events that I carried out. And I will have to live with knowing that, what I have done for the rest of my life. So now Nicholas Sheely is serving eight life sentences, as well as two 75-year sentences for other crimes related to the case. From what I gather, he's serving his time at Pontiac Correctional here in Illinois. Like I said in the beginning, though, it was very hard to break down the victims in this case. I'm a major advocate for people who have lost loved ones in matters such as these. I wish that I could break down who the victims were in these cases, their lives, because they shouldn't have been cut short no matter the age. And there's not just one family grieving. There's numerous ones that deserve a lot of support, even if it has been 11 years that they are still here and trying to live.